0: Hello and welcome to CX Today. My name is Charlie, and today I'm delighted to be joined by five excellent customer experience analysts to run through all the latest news from the space. Uh, yesterday, I'm delighted to be joined by Zeus Caravale, Principal Analyst at CK Research, uh, John Arnold, Principal of J. Arnold & Associates, uh, Dan Miller, Lead Analyst and Founder of Opus Research, uh, Rebecca Westman, CEO and Principal Analyst at Valois and uh, Michael Forsett, Founder, CEO and Chief Analyst at Arian Research. It's great to have you all uh, join me once again, and let's get right on into this news. And I want to start uh, with the rumors uh, of Zoom uh, making uh, an alleged move uh, to acquire uh, 5.9 two years after its first attempt. Um, so while Five 5.9 has confirmed that it's not pursuing any such acquisition, it did reveal that it was uh, approached uh, about uh, an acquisition. Um, it's an interesting topic to discuss and maybe we'll start with, uh, you, John, if you want to kick us off by sharing your, uh, reaction to that.
1: Well, uh, you know, maybe second time's the charm here, but it's not going to be. And, uh, I, I think it may speak to the idea that zoom is trying to get into this market, um, in ways that it, you know, it's just not, they're not getting there as fast as they probably want to be and, uh, going up market, you know, for the more complex Enterprise scale deployments is not their forte at all. That's why Five9 was a good partner for them to do that. And uh, I think they're seeing now that if they had done it right the first time, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But now it's here we are. And uh, I, I think it's too late for that move. And uh, Five9, sorry, Zoom will continue to keep doing it their way and we'll see where that goes. Uh, I like Five9 better as a standalone. I always have and uh you know i think it's healthier for the market to have more of these pure plays out there but i think they're also realizing they can only get to be so big and the you know the 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 one-stop shop for contact center is only going to work for some scenarios there's a lot that want to have that uc piece added to it and that's not their game so there's limitations to being a standalone as well and maybe they're seeing that they have a limited runway to uh, continue that path but you know, they're, they're viable, they're making money. So, you know, I, I don't see why they need to sell right now, but if the right offer came along, I'm sure they'd be game. And uh, you know,
2: I, I think the negotiations were very much like when a sports team doesn't want to keep a superstar, it's like, we'll offer you this, oh, I want this. And you both agree to walk away. I, I think there was maybe cursory discussions at best. And I understand, both Republican created traded companies. So if you can make an acquisition and get a good deal on it and it's accretive to the stock, you do it. If you could sell the company and it makes the shareholders money, you can do. It. But I don't think there was any seriousness there. And when the deal fell apart, John, I, I, um, two years ago, nobody from either company really seemed all that upset about it. I think Five Nine going to get acquired. Realize they are better off standalone and Zoom. You know, Eric's a builder. Eric's not a buyer. He buys small companies that he can tuck in, like WorkVivo and things, but he is a builder. And, um, maybe they're not getting there as fast as they can, but let me tell you something. I think 2024 will be the year of Zoom contact center. From everything I'm hearing internally there, that they, they are all in on contact center and that's going to be their big push this year. They, they went through the phone phase, right? They've gained traction there. And I think from a Zoom perspective, um, I think the, the trying to integrate two companies roughly equal size is a very difficult thing to do. The back end architectures are quite different. And so, this was to me their best path. And I, like I said, I think the, the acquisition rumors were just maybe cursory discussions at best. I, I think there was probably that tried to broker it or something, but I don't think there's anything.
1: But Zoom, Zoom doesn't have to compete against Microsoft in contact center, right? That's that's the safer bet for them.
2: We'll see.
3: I I figured that a generative AI just made something up in its in its spare time. And when I started when I started getting some questions about it, I said they kicked the tires. You know, two years ago they got farther along. Zayas, I think you're absolutely correct. That they, they would have a hard time trying to figure out how the back end of of whatever's going on in the cloud there are, are going to mesh together. So um, I, I dismissed it immediately. I'm glad you guys wrote about it.
4: Yeah, and to say is this point too, I think, you know, integrating those two companies is not as straightforward as people might think both from a culture and a tech perspective. And the CCAS market is not accelerating in terms of growth.
5: Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think too that, uh, that that Zoom was just looking for customers, and and if they could pick it up inexpensively, do it, but it didn't go that way, and yeah, I just kind of went, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting to me as well. From when you look at Zoom's numbers, actually, how a lot of its contact center companies are actually new to the company, I would think that a lot of them would maybe be UCAS customers that are just expanding into CCAS. So it's interesting that they're actually attracting new contact center customers, too. So maybe it will 2024, as its prediction uh, said, could be the of the Zoom contact center, but we'll see. Um, and then the next topic uh, that I want to uh, move on to now is uh, Twilio. Not a great couple of uh, weeks for Twilio at the start of last week. There's a story covering activist pressure to sell and divest its day to analytics business. Uh, which includes flex segment and engage Uh, then it was announced uh that it was moving uh flex across to its communications business and then also it announced uh more layouts which is its third round in 18 months i believe um i don't know who i start with maybe dan do you want to give us your take on everything maybe that's going on at yeah
3: i mean continue with the theme of you know what goes on once you're a publicly traded company I you know I honestly think um some of what started is is when Jeff had um what I call lucky bucks you know the, an inflated uh, sh- uh sets of shares or stock to to make acquisitions um ended up paying uh way too much uh for his for his email thing <laughs> and um uh, you know, just because when the stock was a certain price, when they negotiated a settlement in in terms of number of shares, and by the time it, it got elevated, it, it was, um, it, it just created a, a higher risk for any venture that he had. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm thinking way back when, you know, there were two precursors to the whole CPAS industry them and Boxeo. <laughs> and I, you know, he, just a lot of credit to the company for building and expanding on what a what a pass is and um you know shareholders are unforgiving so they they had an expectation for a certain trajectory for the share price they tend to be reductive or i don't know what reductive <laughs> you know they look there and say hey you're you're probably worth more if you took this part and moved it there so any opportunity to react organically to what the market, what customers are looking for, um, kind of gets uh, discounted if, if you just start looking at the potential of, of breaking the thing up and saying, "Oh, you know, you're you're hiding the value or uh, of these things if they operated independently." And. You know, it, it's it's crazy time right now. It's the silly season of, of dealing with um with your shareholders.
4: Well, I mean, let's just face it. The past the past few years and the access to capital in tech gave us a, a risk reward equation perception that was completely out of whack. Right. So risk reward, that whole thing. Um, we're going to see a lot more activism, I think, coming forward as people look at what are these companies really worth and uh, what the valuations are, and and where the next round of cash is coming from, but also some of these acquisitions that were made when money was very cheap.
5: Yeah, you know, I wonder too. I wonder a lot of the a lot of the times you get the activist investors involved too, and they and they they don't really understand the business. They just look at some numbers and think, oh, you know, if we sold this and then we did that. And, and it's, you know, does it make, would it make sense to, to break off pieces of Twilio right now? I mean, the, the segment and flex pieces are the fastest growing. And frankly, I, I, I see data that says that SMS is probably getting softer over the next year. So I don't know, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me, but the, but certainly the, the cost cutting, I mean, you see that every time you get that kind of pressure.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the risk of being a public company, especially one that even we have trouble understanding what the business is, and so the street is just—it's so over their heads that they're going to just look at the numbers, and that's all they think about. And so Jeff's in a tough spot, and uh, it's—it's—it. But the underlying technology that they have is is really really good, and they'll—you know—these are, I guess, growing pains for. We're going this way and that's just the way it is. Yeah, they can't make cheap acquisitions now and they got to sink or swim with what they have.
2: I was right though, when he talked about sort of the, the softening of the SMS market, I, I do think CPaaS has largely become a commodity. I think even Venmo being part of Ericsson, I think is very damaging to Twilio because they've got a lot more of the telco contracts. And and, and you know, it's interesting, Flex launched around the same time AWS launched Connect and AWS has sort of been heads down on that and had had a lot of nice traction where I think segment actually, well, I think that was a great acquisition. I, I think it distracted them in a lot of cases. They put a lot of eggs in that basket and they kind of ignored the rest of the business. And so I'm not actually sure to your point, John, what their strategy is right now. They, they seem to have a hodgepodge of communication things that kind of loosely go together, but don't really go together. They remind me of like Ink Me back in the day where there was a collection of random internet stuff right? So it would be good to hear from Jeff, actually, what, like, what their strategy is to try and create a one plus one equals three across all these different products, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's dangerous for us, because we look at the world here as CX and contact center. That's not Twilio's business, but Flex kind of inched them into that market. They're not a contact center player, but they can bring a very distinct value proposition to the whole CX space. Yes, but This is part of the confusion I think the market would have. They're not competing against Five9. That's not their business, but they come up against these guys all the time. So it's hard to know what is their market going to be. In their minds, it's pretty clear, but it's hard to get that across to people.
5: Well, you know, it's tough too when you're trying to make that transition from API company to application company. And I think that's been harder for them to to kind of justify across all the different things that they do and that they're trying to do uh, probably creates a bit of confusion internally and then trying to figure out what is that overall strategy. I I don't, I mean, that is a tough one.
3: And that's going to be evergreen because the appeal is to like the developer class. So the, the sort (laughs) of do it, you know, the enemy to the organized ones, the, the do it yourselfers within the enterprise, you know, let's see how this works.
0: Excellent. Well, lots of, uh, lots of really good stuff there. And I, it's interesting, actually, when I took took a look at the last kind of Twilio earnings, they have, I think, like 20,000 more customers than they did something like that at this point last year. And yet their revenue growth was, that didn't have the kind of the impact on the end revenue growth, which kind of perhaps, it in, perhaps emphasizes how, while their kind of business is expanding, they're not, uh, sorry, they're landing lots of new customers. They're not really expanding on those because a lot of their solutions may be disconnected to, I love your points there. Um, so lots of really good uh, stuff on Twilio. Uh, I do want to kind of cover um, next story now, and this is uh, kind of breaking from this week. And that is uh, news of uh, Ring Central's uh, CEO uh, Tariq Rabiati uh, stepping uh, stepping down after just three months uh, in the job. Maybe Zeas I'll come to you on this one, because you're normally a man in the know on these sort of things. Uh, what was your <laughs> what was your reaction uh, to that news?
2: Well, I don't ring really well, and that surprised me. In fact, um, I talked to one of their larger channel partners and uh, that morning, he had no idea that was coming. And Usually he's got a pretty good idea of uh, executive changes there. And as far as I can tell, um, uh, Vlad, you know, Vlad founded the company. I think he had some pressure to bring in a new CEO and step back and become a technologist. But, you know, he's been very involved day to day. And I think for whatever reason, culture wise or whatever, Tarek didn't quite fit. And I think the board made a pretty quick decision to put Vlad back in. It's always an interesting challenge too when when that happens. Oracle's kind of structured the same way where the CEO is still the chairman and then he exits and he's kind of the boss of the new CEO, but he's the CTO. So he reports into the new CEO. And so you've got this weird kind of reporting method, but RingCentral is Vlad's company, right? And my guess is there was some sort of internal power struggle, and they were going to go the direction Vlad wanted. And um, like it's an Oracle structure that way. I tip Larry Ellison's hat, actually, my hat to him, because he—I thought he was going to, you know, stay almost too involved and drive the CEOs out of there. But he's actually done a pretty good job of not doing that. So I think from where they are, I think I think um, they're pretty close to being cash flow positive. Vlad's taken them up to here. I think he'd like to be the CEO that actually you know, gets over that mark and gets him to the contact center space and things like that. And then he might feel like job done. But when I, you know, when I talked to him when they announced Tarek coming in, um, he was pretty clear to me, he was he was not retiring. He's staying very actively involved. He wanted, he still loves talking to customers and he was gonna try and play more of a CTO role. But to me, you know, Ring is a technology led company. And in many ways, the technology Whoever runs technology is going to drive the engine, right? Drive that company forward. And so, you know, I guess it just personality-wise, for whatever reason, you know, it didn't work out. But certainly, after four months, that was a surprise that um, it didn't, uh, you know, that, that didn't last a little longer than that. So.
1: You know, I, I think to, to that point, guys, yeah, a the, the culture that fit the style, whatever you want to call it, it, is probably a factor. Um, but also, to be fair, it's possible that getting kind of under the covers and seeing the realities of the business for for Tarek, he might not have liked what he saw he might have said you know what ring is uh you know in the ucas market is very hard to make a buck right now everyone's competing against teams where's the growth going to come from how is this company going to get profitable he may have kind of taken a longer look and said you know what i don't know if i can do this here and kind of be the guy who delivers and he sure got a nice, nice payday for a very short run That's for sure. Again, like the sports analogies, says, right? Well, you know what, well, we're going to buy you out and, uh, move on. You know, it didn't work. And there's plenty of sports analogies where that's exactly what happened, but here it could be from his end, just not seeing maybe what he expected was going to be the reality and said, so, you know what? No, I, I, I can't make this fly possible.
5: I mean, it's it's hard for founders to to step back into a, a different role. I mean, they've been so involved for so long and making so many decisions. And, you know, you're a new CEO, you want to go in certain directions. And if you're constantly banging up against a brick wall because they don't want to go that way. I mean, I'd get frustrated. We'd all get frustrated after a while. And, you know, it just seems like that's it.
4: It's virtually impossible to be an effective CEO if the old one is still around.
5: Yep, and especially when he's claiming the executive chairman title and standing over your shoulder all the time. V-
3: Vlad should buy an island in Hawaii and and hang out. And um, well, could, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but um, no, you know, you called him the the CTO, but he also added strategist to that. So I think it. I think one of the tensions is is you know who's the keeper of the vision and and then the rest of what each of you said just rings true if, if everything he does is in the context of the founder's vision it's like hmm, what am i doing here
2: yeah and we know who the keeper of the vision is <laughs> you know it's the same guy that's been doing that for since the company was founded so and you know in a lot of ways it's good to your point john right you you pay it you pay it out you cut bait that's much better than trying to drag it on and drag it on and see if you can make it work see if you can.
0: excellent well i think uh, lots of re- uh, really great um discussion today covering um, that ring central um story but also kind of the Twilio and, and the zoom uh rumors certainly a lot of interesting uh news coming up to the end of the year it's always in these just quiet months of december and august that a lot of the news comes out um but yeah i think that's maybe a great place to end today's chat thanks for Each of our analysts, uh, expert analysts, uh, for joining me today, and thank you all for watching. Bye for now.